Hello, and welcome to the Magic for Realists podcast. This is the 49th dose, and it's called Some Things I Learned from Open Relationships. My name is Lindsay Celeste, and I'm making this podcast because I want to share with you some of the magic that I have found in the real world. Some of the things that have amazed and excited me, some of the things that seem well, magical, that could take my breath away, or that just feel um, special, and also feel the places where I feel potential to rearrange my circumstances in a way that I like, basically. That would be one way to talk about magic, and I like exploring the intersection of the unseen health of our yeah, emotional and spiritual well-being and the physical world of our kind of human bodily existence. And so I talk about that on this show. And I'm making this particular episode as part of this little series we're in about relationships. And in previous episodes, I have mentioned that a lot of my relational experience has been in, quote, open relationships. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that today. Uh, This episode has been more delayed than expected because I haven't been feeling well. And I'm pretty much back to normal now, a little bit off still. Um, Yeah, so I've just been taking a breather. And I also noticed that I'm a little bit nervous about talking about this because it's something... So the phenomena of open relationships, um, closely related to polyamory. The technical difference, I think, is that polyamory means loving many, and open relationships means you have some other agreement other than monogamy. And because the word polyamory has amor amor in it, to me that is a lot around um, like the emotional aspect of loving several people. And I actually think we're all polyamorists in the sense that we all love multiple people um, because we have friends and family and, and a lover or more that are dear to us. We all feel the experience, I believe, of loving more than one person. Polyamory usually refers to, well, probably always refers to loving romantically, like romantically, sexually, other people or more than one person at a time. Um... And then I use the word open relationships to refer to like an agreed upon arrangement where they're like agreed upon between, I guess, two and more people that it's not a monogamous arrangement. So people are having sex with more than one person, um, like concurrently, not like necessarily in the same room, but like, you know, in the span of feels like the relationships are happening at the same time. Um, So, as in, like, not closed and exclusive. Um, So I'm a little bit nervous talking about this because it's dear to my heart. Uh, And it feels vulnerable because it's not that common. And because I haven't, like, I don't have a conclusion about, I'm not here to tell you, like, what is best. And... I have not arrived upon like the magic formula for 
the perfect relationship. Uh, I've just had a lot of different experiences that have been um, sometimes wonderful and difficult. Sometimes at the same time, sometimes not. And I guess in sharing some of this, I want to open the conversation. Um, I feel sure about a few things and unsure about a lot of things. (laughs) But I feel sure that it is important that we consider that monogamy is not the only way to ethically and beautifully relate. I, I firmly believe that. I believe there are other options. And I believe we can deepen our own sense of love and sexuality and relating by considering that there are other ways to arrange a relationship and and that it can actually bring more consciousness to whatever form we choose so just it's like just by considering that there are different ways of doing relationships I think can bring some awareness to how we are currently doing them and how we might want to um I've also had some very heart expanding, heart opening, very touching, very loving experiences within the context of open relationships. And I feel I feel sometimes that though that there's no place for those to be um, talked about that that there's this probably desire to make things kind of clean and you're supposed to land somewhere so for example I am currently in a monogamous relationship with my boyfriend and I sometimes feel that that means people assume that I must have like decided that is better and I must have erased all my other memories like I must have decided that they were you know we have this narrative like I was once lost and now I'm found. And we try and fit so many things into that story. of Like, because something changes, we must have improved. Like, it's like all always better than it was before. And we were wrong and now we're right. And so I don't feel that way. I don't feel that monogamy or open relationships is better than the other. I... I do believe that honesty is better than deceit and that love is better than bitterness and and that's you know that's what I want my relationships to be about and I think there's probably seasons where one form is better suited to the other and also that between certain people um certain relational agreements are better so kind of a long preface. Um, I asked on Instagram if anybody had specific questions around this topic. And so thank you for your questions. And one of them is, were you monogamous at first? And so how did the open relationships start? So uh, (laughs) on one hand, I think they started because I had grown up as a conservative Christian. And so when I started to question 
the view that I had been given around sexuality from that, the, the door was really open to questioning all sorts of things around any norms I was given about how sexuality and marriage and relationships should work. So because I had to go way back in my, like way back in my psyche almost to kind of get to the bedrock of what I believed about sexuality, I was not eager to have any culture build back up some expectations for me. And I think that predisposed me to questioning any norms about relationships. Um, when David and I were first together, when he was my first boyfriend, uh, we, we were only seeing each other. I'd never seen anybody else. And I remember we talked vaguely about this idea of open relationships. And I think it was partly out of an acknowledgement that I in particular was very young and inexperienced and that it was kind of reasonable that I would want experiences with other people. And I did that poorly in that when I was feeling like I needed to explore with other people, I didn't have enough of that conversation with David before I went and did so. So that to me feels like cheating. And I think he experienced it that way as well. And I don't feel good about that. And... I remember the amazing feeling of realizing that my sexuality was mine, that it didn't belong to David because once I had sex with somebody else, I was like, oh my God, this is like, I take this with me wherever I go. And that was stunning. And if I had to do it over again, I would want to go slower so that I didn't hurt him in the process. Uh, after that, David and I, or that, I'm not, that was all part of us separating the first time. And so then I was adamant that I was footloose and fancy free. I knew that I had, I, it was, it was very hard to walk away from, um, a relationship that was super dear to me, a man who is super dear to me. And, but yet the exploration felt so important and I felt convinced that I wouldn't set myself well, I set myself up well in life if at 22 I quote settled down with one person that I would later explode in a way that would be more damaging than breaking up then. And yeah, I guess I still feel pretty convinced of that. I... I have a hard time imagining a yeah, a monogamous relationship from 21 onwards that <clears throat> that wouldn't hold a lot of like pent-up curiosity. <laughs> I guess some people can pull that off. Um I don't think I could without like major religious beliefs holding it together, which I didn't have anymore. So Yeah, then I was adamant that I was footloose and fancy free. I wasn't going to commit to anybody and I was just exploring. And so then I was, excuse me, um, you know, I would be casually seeing multiple people at once, which I think is quite common. 
Um, I think it's important that that's done ethically. Like, I don't think everybody needs all the information. It's kind of like they just need to know whether or not they're going to know. Um, and just to be, it's, sometimes you can feel if somebody is like expecting that they are the only one you're seeing and, or if they're not. And I think it's unfair to play to the assumption and, but while giving yourself the caveat that, well, I haven't actually promised anything, but you know that the other person is assuming that it's monogamous. That's not, that's not nice. That's basically not nice. So, uh, and I was living in a really small community, which kept me really accountable because I knew that my reputation was going to get around fast, like so fast. And I think that helped. It helped that I, that I really wanted to be well regarded. And so I wanted to be upstanding, even in my flings. And so I'm grateful that I had that awareness. And about maybe nine months into that, um, I met a man who uh, was courting me. And then sort of through logistics, I needed a place to live. And so he moved in with me. And uh, so what was beautiful about Oh, now I'm struggling for a pseudonym. <laughs> you should think of these things before you start the podcast. What was beautiful about Leo is that uh, he had just come out of an experience of not ethically handling his own, like, two-timing affection. And I was still cared deeply about David. And I was able to explain this to Leo and say, like, look, I still love David. And Leo had absolutely no problem with that. Like, he was just like, of course, <laughs> of course you can love more than one person. And so we proceeded to, I guess, have an open relationship. I think that was confusing for David and not, not easy and a bit of a mess at times. Um, but it was the precedent for me of feeling my capacity to care deeply about more than one person and to have ongoing several sexual relationships. And some of that didn't go well. Uh, there's, I think there's the classic things people expect in an open relationship of like, don't you get jealous? Um, yes. People, I get, I got jealous. Um, and I got confused. I, I felt left out sometimes. I also felt really expanded and amazed. I also felt grace and acceptance and beauty and this feeling like of course people have the capacity for more than one affection like of course and and that the way that things are communicated really matter 
these are now some of my sweeping lessons from uh, many years of that. And so after Leo, uh, my neck. Oh gosh, I'm run- I'm confusing my timeline. Anyways, there was a few attempts at monogamy, um, which I was really curious about, and which also felt like one of them when I was on a sailboat. Monogamy was like logistically the only option, but didn't feel like what my heart was doing because I was still drawn and curious about other people. And then in my longest relationship with the man I'm calling Thomas, um, we set it up as open from the start. That felt really important to both of us. And we, I'd say for the first probably year or so, we were basically only interested in each other. And I had a little bit of a side thing going, but, um, yeah, then in the next three years, we, we, you know, sometimes me, sometimes him, sometimes both of us would have other lovers. And I learned, yeah, that how we handled that really mattered, how we communicated to each other about our, um, intentions with other people, our explorations and how we communicated to them really mattered because there's other people involved. Like, so if, if my relationship with Thomas was my primary relationship, there's other people's like emotions and hearts and bodies involved and what they, you know, how we explained the situation to them at the, you know, of what they were entering, it mattered. And I felt, I felt the relief and cleanness I would say when I communicated accurately and honestly and kindly to somebody else and then they could decide whether they were you know wanting to get involved and when that you know when that was done cleanly and accepted it had this beautiful or fun or just like sexy or interesting like it was good and and then I remember when I, when I realized that Thomas' explanation to another woman and his explanation to me didn't match, that felt really gross and, um, and unkind and, and didn't work well. One of the sneakiest parts of this is, is a pervasive sense of shame. And because our culture doesn't have models often of how to have open relationships with um, ethical honesty, it can be really easy to just feel like you're doing something wrong while really wanting to do something. Like, you know, I would feel like I must be doing something wrong here. But when I would sink into my capacity to be clear and honest and kind and loving and, and unashamed, that there was a way to be ethical and clear, uh, then it would go well. And, but that shame has the, the sneaky, uh, like results of making people sneak around basically. (laughs) And that, that doesn't feel good. So it's completely possible to still betray somebody in an open relationship I don't think it's a license to do whatever the hell you want whenever you want without considering other people's feelings and bodies and yeah 
I believe that love is really expansive and quite limitless. However, that our time isn't. And and that time is one of those crunch points where if you're trying to sustain multiple relationships, somebody might not get as much time with you as they want. And so balancing that feels like where most of the art comes and where where clarity of expectations and capacity to deliver time together matters. Another thing I noticed is that it can start to feel pretty crowded. <laughs> I think that intimate relationships, they add energy to our bodies or our auras or whatever you want to call it. And so it can feel crowded. Like when I would be with Thomas, especially if it hadn't been long since one of us had been with somebody else, it's like we could feel that other person's presence in the in the consciousness of our togetherness. Sometimes because you could kind of tell that the other person was still like on my mind or or in his like some one of his lovers on his mind. And we developed a way to talk about that to be like, "Hey, it's feeling kind of crowded in here." <laughs> like I just want to be with you right now. I get that you had this great experience with somebody else, but I just like I really just want to be with you. And we developed like a kind of imaginative ceremony for how to clear a space and create an area that was just the two of us. And that was really beautiful to figure out. It was really special and remains for me. One of the most stunning feelings was coming to a place with Thomas where we could talk about our desires, our crushes our experiences with other people and really hear and accept each other the depth of love and acceptance I felt when we did that successfully I would say um was stunning it it's still like it still takes my breath away actually um it was so beautiful to feel and to feel love extend beyond some you know like an ownership like I didn't own him he didn't own me we didn't have exclusive rights uh and then you know to there's a vulnerability in in hearing somebody's affection there's a there was like a hot sexiness sometimes in in you know and he would want me to recount another experience I'd had that was like shocking and erotic and really fun and really bonding and and there was pain when we wouldn't get it kindly Uh, I bet there was collateral damage of other people being confused or disappointed and and there was also beauty of other people witnessing that our relationship could hold multiple connections yeah uh so one of the other questions was how do you navigate to an open relationship and on one hand I kind of have I haven't done that well (laughs) um because as I mentioned when when that happened between David and I the first time I didn't do it well and In my other cases, I just started off with it being an open arrangement. So I haven't actually done the transition well. 
and but I could guess <laughs> from from having experienced open relationship working or not some of the things that would help one of them I would describe as pacing <clears throat> so it 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 doesn't feel easy to go at the pace of the person who's the I would like the slowest in their comfort uh but I believe that's like the key to it to an open arrangement succeeding uh because we would like between Thomas and I there were we would enter new scenarios like all these different permutations that we hadn't tried before and each each experience of like each variable of somebody else was a different thing like they were never the same there was never like oh yeah got this now we just follow this formula because it's a different human a different a different kind of affection a different desire for time a different logistics of how far away they live like all these things matter <laughs> and so uh the what am I saying so going at the pace of the person who's the least comfortable is my probably biggest piece of advice so somebody will feel like really keen and like let's go for it and somebody will be less keen or more afraid or have anything from like a physical need to go slower to like an emotional need maybe it's like the time whatever if you can slow the whole exploration to the pace of the person who is taking the longest to get used to it that will save everybody pain so and that there's you know there's there's like ways to kind of wade into it slower so for example if you're in a, a monogamous arrangement you could try like being out in public and mentioning to your partner who you find attractive and like some people freak out at that part to me that's like it's it's very basic <laughs> it's like many stages away from somebody being comfortable with you actually being sexual with the person but like that's a little baby step and you see how that goes and if the other person's like really uncomfortable then you got to work with you know ways to be assuring and build trust and security with those little steps and yeah and then going at seeing the if you can see the gift of somebody's discomfort as this the a gift to the connection that the discomfort is actually helping you to not break it instead of it being this annoying like anchor that's slowing you down I believe that that's an amazing switch and to see that yeah the the gift of somebody's like alarm bells going off is that you get to go slower and be more careful and seek more help um my other advice would be to seek help. Don't do this alone. Like, don't try that. It's like, don't try this at home, kids. Don't try this by yourself. Like, find somebody to talk to. Find books to read. Uh, there's some classics like The Ethical Slut. Um, find a, a therapist who doesn't think you're going to hell for trying. Find an online support group. Find friends. Uh, ask me questions. Like, don't try this alone don't try this alone. And yeah, so how do you navigate from a monogamous relationship to an open one? 
carefully and not alone. And slowly. <laughs> and, and with a sense of beauty, like, in the depths of my exploration of open relationships, I felt, I felt so motivated and encouraged by what I was learning about the capacity for love and connection and honesty. And I think our models of relationships in society need an overhaul. I think they're largely not working. And I think that exploring open relationships is one way to question and explore what's wrong with modern relationships. And I think it's a beautiful exploration. And also, other note, I think it's really efficient. If you're in a phase where you are exploring yourself in relationships and your own sexuality, then I would say by all means explore like concurrently. <laughs> it's just efficient. If you can do it ethically, you can have more than one lover at once, then you can learn a lot really quickly. <laughs> Not that I'm advising you that you necessarily have to do that, but I just am saying it is efficient as far as exploring goes. <laughs> also, to follow that up, you learn different things by being able to go deeper with one person at once. So one of the things that has led me to to try monogamy now is the desire to see what comes of focused depth, of what comes of not spreading myself thin, to see what happens with with focus and with less possibility. And and that's just a different thing to learn. I don't I, as I said before, I don't know that one is better than the other, other than better timed and better suited to certain people. Uh, so I think next week I will talk more about, well, I don't want to promise that actually. Maybe in the future I will talk about what I am learning from monogamy. But for now, that there's some of my thoughts about what I've learned from open relationships and I would love to hear your thoughts, and I would be happy to respond to any of your particular questions. I do think this is an under-talked-about important subject, and so I, yeah, I would love to contribute to the discussion and know any of your particular questions. You can get in touch with me on Instagram at magicforrealists or through the website magicforrealists.ca. And... If you know somebody who is just curious about this topic, I would be really happy, actually, if you shared this with them. And they could also get in touch with me. So feel free to share this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a way to open up the discussion in, in your circles as well. Uh, okay, thanks for listening. I hope you're having a beautiful day. And I hope you experience some magic in the real world. Bye for now.